Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, all you budding adventurers. My name's James and welcome back to yet another episode of the 9to5 ADV podcast, where we talk affordable and accessible adventure bike riding. With me is my co-host, Ross. Hey, how's everybody doing? How are you, James? I am very good. I've had a great week. Have you? What yeah. have you been up to? Um, well, nothing exciting until last night, to be perfectly honest. But yeah. um, through a stroke of luck and timing, Louise and Michael, who we interviewed last week? Last week, last yeah. week. 8-Bit Biker and Lou Rides. Yeah, on their Tet trip around the UK, um, they hit uh, Exeter after yeah. doing the uh, Great Western Trail, so up from Land's End, and got to Exeter about nine o'clock, and you very kindly hosted them for the night. Yeah, we thought we'd, we'd put them up. I mean, they were pretty knackered, understandably, and they were going to put their uh, p- pitch their tent somewhere near Exeter, and yeah, luckily we've got, we've got a bit of space, and so they uh, they came and uh, kept at my house, which was very nice. And we had a couple of beers, and they told us what they'd been up to and how it was all going. And we're we're going to catch up with them in future, so we don't want to spoil it. But it sounds like they're mixed emotions at the moment, understandably, given the uh, the amount of uh, travelling they're doing and time on the bikes. And they've had a few few little mishaps, but nothing serious. And they're they're cracking on. Yeah, it was it was great to just spend time with them, actually chat to them in a more casual environment than then on an interview on a podcast yeah and they're super interesting people though mm. you know both of them really i mean michael's got tons and tons of experience which is which is awesome to listen to but lou's just as interesting in that her her sort of experience level is much shorter um, but that gives like a completely different but it's so intense it. as well because michael yeah, exactly. with his experience and then louise getting chucked into that it's quite mixed with quite a dynamic. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's just been like dragged along and forced. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, bit, a combination of two. She seems pretty, um, pretty foolhardy and determined. And um, no, I don't think they're really nice guys. And they're, they're yeah. uh, they've set off this morning first thing, um, heading up kind of through well Devon, Somerset, Wiltshire, Somerset, Wiltshire. I think they said they go in and out of Wiltshire about five times today, and then um, ending up somewhere near near Swindon this evening. Which Exeter to Swindon sounds pretty unimpressive, but when it's, mm, I think this is like sixty seventy percent off road. Um, that is that's it's pretty hardcore. Yeah, I'll give it to them. They look pretty tired. Yeah. Last night. Um. So I think tonight though, they uh they will be 
They will be camping. Yeah, because they were planning on camping last night, weren't they? And yeah. the weather was a bit miserable. And I um, offered your your home. Yeah, well, I'm coming <laughs> in on the segue again, James. Here. Oh, okay. Let's oh, okay. Tried it again. Sorry, I I'm not finished. Oh, what I okay. want to say. I just want to. I just want to. Well, ask. so people know what we're talking about this week. Anyway, we will we be are. coming on to camping, and that was yeah, me attempting to. Um, and me being slide it in oblivious, there, oblivious. Well, we probably should have talked about, about that before. I know you've got a couple of other things you want to talk about first, but yeah, we will be getting. We will be moving on to to moto camping um, mm. later, and um, it'll be interesting yeah, to catch up with Louise and Michael afterwards because uh, yeah. over the two weeks they will have done quite a lot more of it. And so it probably won't be next week. It'll probably no, be the week to be riding. After, they? yeah, no, the week after we will probably get hold of them again and do a debrief episode with them. But I mean, with the with the knowledge and experience and personality that they've both got, I can see them, hopefully, if they want, come back and doing some more chats about other things down the line. 100%. So what else did you want to talk about today, James? Oh, I just want, just news. I figured we'd do a little news section. A news section. Yeah. Time for the news. Because we're, we're, we're doing these week game, by week. Mate. Yeah, but we're doing these week by week, yeah, as yeah. opposed to like pumping out like six in a, on a Sunday and then yeah, that's true. Filtering them out, we might as well make keep it most fresh of the fact that yeah, we are we got our finger on the pulse, absolutely as it were. Joe, I think we haven't really had a great deal of news at work this week. I think the, it's interesting at the moment the whole COVID thing is has slowed a lot of stuff down. Um, and yeah, before it sort of felt like every week there'd be more information about new bikes and things flying out. And I think a lot of the the manufacturers certainly that we work with are, are kind of stalling a little bit. I mean, there's been a, a yeah. Because I, I saw on Instagram today, Zero, the electric bike company, they're they're relaunching their SRS, right? Okay. You know that super sport that they launched right before COVID hit. Oh yeah, yeah. Really good range. A few, um, really, everyone is raving about it, and they're doing a relaunch because they just because it was a flop the first time. Oh yeah, because right. they literally launched it just before lockdown. So. Um, but yeah, your bike sales are good though. You said bike sales are still still going really well. If we talk talk specifically adventure bikes, because um, I guess people aren't that interested in the fact that we're selling hundreds of one two five scooters to key workers. <laughs> um, but no, adventure bike sales are, are still good, especially things like the Tenere. I mean, we spoke a couple of weeks ago. Yamaha launched the Tenere Rally Edition. There's a very small allocation for each dealership, but we've we've sold out of them. So. Um, I'm not sure when we get hold of one now. Probably, I guess, latter end of August, September, maybe, if somebody wanted one. So assuming Yamaha can get hold of them still. Yeah, what's the deal with that then? Do you know if it's a limited it's, model? They're, they're still saying it, uh, they're not limiting it to a set number. It's not like your bike will be one of mm-hmm. X. Um, but at the same time, it is still a limited production bike. So, you know, once they're gone, they're gone. But so far as I can tell, Yamaha aren't putting a, a firm figure on it. And then this is normally the case. I mean, Yamaha UK are a relatively small player in when you think of like Yamaha as an international brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people are sometimes a bit frustrated that maybe like the UK branch don't know exactly what's going on, but they're in a similar position to we are and the customer, you know, it's all, uh, it's all going back up the chain to, to the big Yamaha corporation and um, Yamaha UK will grab as many units as they possibly can get their mitts on. I think I do. Um, speaking of units though. So this week, uh, KTM, um, have announced that they're developing KTM and Husqvarna developing some 500 cc adventure bikes. What not enduro though? No, they said adventure okay. bike. So we're not talking seven hours and drop the oil. We're hopefully talking sensible. Yeah, fingers crossed. Service intervals. Yeah. There's a really there's you know I don't know if you agree or disagree, but there's definitely a trend in my opinion of of moving away from these big capacity machines now. I think so. I mean, yeah, they're I still they're still coming out, but not 
they're always going to come out and they're always going to be the flagship and there's always going to be people that want to buy going to the dealership and effectively what's the most expensive one mm. but yeah no i think i think that's true there's more people wanting to use their bikes as they're intended and realizing that some of these well it's sort of like michael was saying last night when we were chatting you know he's ridden a lot on ktm 1290s and things and actually realized that you, f- you find the limitations of that bike fairly quickly off-road compared to the, s- the smaller models and hence why uh, he and louise are, are riding the uh the 690s yeah and it's it's interesting because i think they're getting developed in india which is obviously a place where a lot of smaller capacity models are yeah are launched that we never see over here i think that's normally due to i think it's not often it's taxation laws isn't it on right okay on engine size and things i believe anyway uh, certainly in a lot of um asian countries there's huge huge kind of um tariffs that are applied to big capacity motorcycles and so i think i believe that's kind of why you see so many small capacity ones right okay but yeah either way interesting could be interesting yeah yeah definitely yeah um, and then the only other bit of news that I've got this week is that I found out today, um, Long Way Up is coming out soon. Uh, which oh, this is the Ewan and uh, Charlie, Charlie. Jobby riding yeah, electric bikes. People Harleys? Yeah, the Harley yeah. Livewires, um, which weren't the, but they're not the best electric bike. But the they've had some pretty favourable reviews though. Yeah. From what I've seen. But again, like like a, like Zero, for example, they do a, an electric adventure bike, but. Yeah. These companies that are only electric don't have the the financial clout, I imagine. Of Harley Davidson. Yeah. Although from what I gather, Harley Davidson are broke, so who knows? (laughs) Maybe they sent all their money on long way up. Yeah, maybe this is their last ditch (laughs) effort. But um, I'm I'm excited. Uh, People, I know people have opinions about a electric bikes and be the long way brand. Ewan and Charlie, but it doesn't matter your opinion they still had a huge impact on the the whole world of adventure bikes we wouldn't have the bikes we have today if it wasn't for them if it wasn't for the influence that they had on the market and i think they're one of the few again like you said again whatever you think of the documentary they're one of the few bike documentaries that a lot of non-motorcyclists have seen and engaged Mm. with and and maybe maybe not been inspired by but certainly know it um yeah and i mean personally i find them both both quite watchable and likable so yeah I'm i enjoy it and because um, amazon prime is the best place best streaming service to watch bike stuff Netflix oh, has so got they're on amazon prime are they no charlie's road to the dakar netflix has gone on to amazon prime netflix so i'm gonna watch that <laughs> no Na- now tv no they're not on disney plus james no that'd be great because then <laughs> they'd have everything but annoyingly the one subscription service that i haven't got a bloody <laughs> subscription to um, so it turns out that Long Way Up is going to be an Apple TV exclusive. Boo. Yeah, big boo. James uses around. a Huawei and we're recording this on a... No, I don't. No, I don't. What do you have? I'm Samsung. Samsung Galaxy. Oh, I thought the Chinese government were listening to us. And you have an Alienware laptop. We should... Yeah. As, if we were true podcasters, this would be recorded on a MacBook. <laughs> so this is full, uh, full kind of Microsoft and Android setup going on. Yeah. So you're devastated. It's on Apple TV. Yeah, and I'm going to have to give money to Apple to watch... How do you feel about that? Not very happy, but mm. oh well. I almost said you were going to give money to Steve Jobs, but <laughs> no, guess not. No. I thought my brain, <laughs> my, my thought pattern was going that way, and I then I swerved. But yeah, so if you if you if you want to watch it, I don't know when it's coming out, but it'll be on Apple Apple TV. It'll be it? on Apple TV. Okay. <sighs> I'm sure we can find a stream for it somewhere. Yeah, on Apple TV. <laughs> Well, you've got you like Apple. Why don't I come around and we? Can I don't watch, have Apple TV. I don't have Apple TV though. I'm afraid. Oh. oh well, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Moving on. Anyway, 
seamless segue into our topic this week then yeah which is moto camping um which you've uh you've done a bit of recently i think you got a new tent for your birthday didn't you yeah um set it up in the back garden park your motorbike up next to it is that right <laughs> yeah basically, <laughs> basically no i went i went um we wanted to do a little holiday so me and my wife emily who's who's now 23 four five 26 weeks pregnant um, i think you're saying her age i was like <laughs> she, she's young mate no so we thought we'll go camping, but the only place we can go camping is somewhere where Emily can rush to the toilet a few times oh, a night. See. <laughs> so um, we ended up camping in a field next to my mum's house. How adventurous. Which was nice. Now, it, that is both affordable and accessible adventure bike riding, though, right there, exactly, folks. Exactly. But, so my brother came down. You, you remember we went to Salisbury Plain uh, to do yeah. some riding. So he came down and we rode some devon trails oh nice okay um and then obviously came back in and camped for a few days so hence, tom hence why on? the bike was there because uh, you obviously like, recapping from last podcast tom really enjoyed salisbury you were a little bit underwhelmed because it was a mm-hmm. little bit easy compared to devon how how did he find coming down and getting out on our gnarl, gnarly trails yeah so we did the easy stuff but um really he really enjoyed it it's an exhaust it was an exhausting day yeah i think the Africa Twin really looks after you, especially the DCT. Oh, yeah, of course. I always forget he's got the DCT. Yeah. Have you ridden it yet? No. No, I was going to swap, but... Interesting to have a go on yeah. that. Yeah. Because we did, we did Manhattan, that, that infamous lane that we keep referencing, yeah. the one that I burnt my clutch out on, on the hill climb back up. And we, you know, he got it was the last one we did of the day, and, and he got up it. That's a good effort, considering this really is second proper mm. proper outing. Yeah. That's, so. um, that's good going, because it's not an easy lane either. Hmm. Anyway, so we that's why the bikes were there. I didn't bring it over purely for a photo shoot. Yeah. So we were in our nice three-man Eurohike tent, and then we went to go outdoors, and they had a big sale. So I picked up a Van Gogh Banshee 200, which I've wanted for ages. Yeah, and they're nice, nice tents. I mean, Van, Van Gogh makes some great great um, value tents, really, don't they? Mm, I think they're, they're a good sweet spot Yeah. because like our three-man Eurohike, big thing with a porch, it's, it's a 45 bit, quid. Yeah, it's a bit cheap and, and nasty, and it's not really built to last, is it? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's only from actually, it's the same with bike stuff. It's the same with anything. It's only because I've been using this stuff, and yeah. then you notice the difference. You understand what you pay for, and I think Van Gogh's a good price point. We'll get to to kit a bit later on, but um, your point that you were saying just before we started recording is that you don't you don't have to spend a fortune. No, on... I don't think especially for motorcycle camping in the UK in the in the way we're talking about. Anyway, I don't think you just spend a fortune on mm. some sort of top end tent. Um, but I mean, the last time we camped was Wales on the Taffy Dakar, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that one was a bit different. We took a because there was three of us and we had loads of stuff for a whole weekend. We actually took an enormous tent. Yeah. Um, which which worked pretty well. But I think tonight we're going to kind of uh, talk more about kind of weekend, lo- more local weekend trips. We're not talking about massive, you know, overland uh, no. adventure bike riding. Strap- it's more yeah, strapping get- all the kit for overnight or a weekend or whatever on the bike and yeah you might be riding over to wales or onto dartmoor etc etc and what kind of kit you need for that and how, how to go about doing it yeah so starting at the beginning then because it's not quite so cut and dry where you're allowed to camp in the uk certainly south of the scottish border yeah yeah so so straight up top well the easiest place to camp will be is campsites which is if you've ever been camping that's where you've that's where you've gone yeah it's and the, the the most luxurious yeah, way well, to motor camp, I suppose. It's set up for you, isn't it? You get a pitch, you know? it's flat, the, the grass is usually mowed. <laughs> yeah, normally, yeah, not not kind of saturated with water. Then there'll be a toilet block usually and hot showers and things yeah. like that. 
Yeah, and then depending on where you go, sometimes they've got a bar or an arcade. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it starts going downhill a bit after that, if you ask me. I mean, you might as well just at that point go just go and stay at Butlins. Yeah, <laughs> but if you, but. you know, if you want, if you want to go and and do camping, you know, if you spend the day on the tet and then yeah. you want to pull up, you want to camp, but you want to be able to have a hot shower. Great option, and a lot cheaper than a B and B still. And yeah, know, and you B&B. still you still get that feeling of, you know, I'm in the outdoors with the bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still sort of vaguely self sufficient, aren't you? Mm. But if you don't want to stop at a campsite, what are your options then? If we start by talking about England and Wales for uh, wild camping then. Yeah, so wild camping in England and Wales, the only place legally that you're allowed to wild camp that isn't private land is Dartmoor National Park. And even then it's only certain sections. Convenient for us though. Perfectly convenient for us and anyone heading down and doing like the Great Western Trail or anything. Other than that, we don't have a right to roam like you do in Scotland. So Scotland, you have a right to roam, so you... You can. Scotland, you can more or less pull up and camp mm-hmm. within reason wherever you want, can't you? Yeah. And we were up there last week and it was amazing to see because virtually every road you drove down, you'd look down into the, just off the road and you'd see tents dotted along. And oh, ideal. Yeah, it was, I mean, I thought it was great. Mm. And I saw anything, so far as I could tell, most people were, well, everyone that we saw had like seemed to have clear, cleared up after themselves, which is an important thing with it. And yeah, I was pretty jealous to be fair because in England you can't, you can't quite get away with just parking up the side of the road and setting up a tent. And I guess it's we're a lot more densely populated down here and there are some reasons for it. But I think, you know, you're saying that in uh, you can do it legally on Dartmoor. Now, I've wild camped. I hope no one dobs me into the police now and get arrested. But I've wild camped plenty of times in Wales and various other places. With no trouble whatsoever. Well, and yeah, there are bloggers that do it, and there's I follow an Instagram account called UK Wild Camp, and it's yeah. a guy who his, most of his photos are up in Snowdonia. Yeah, exactly, and it's because these people are arriving relatively late into the evening or night. They're setting up, breaking camp, um, so in a really, really sensible, secluded area. They're packing up nice and early in the morning. No one knows they're there. They're not leaving any trace um, of the fact that they stayed there. And in that case, well, who cares? You're not hurting anybody at all. Um, so I, I'm kind of of the opinion if you, if you're sensible out w- about where you stop and you're not affecting anybody, why not? Yeah, no, I complete, I completely agree. But if you if you don't feel like doing that, if you're a bit of a stickler for the rules, maybe or yeah, you don't want to wait until the confrontation find, or something. Or, yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a there is a pretty good mi- middle ground, and there are websites that that you can go on to find these places, which is basically wild campsites. Oh, so okay, it, it is private land. Yeah, so mainly farmers. Um, so it's mainly like farmers fields or things like that but depending on where you're in the country and what's available you know i had a quick look through so it's sort of like a it's just a typical sort of campsite website you type in the location and, and it shows you what facilities they've got and mm. what you, where you can pitch and the different pitches you know i was finding brilliant ones you know down in here in devon where you've got you can you know you can come to field you can camp in the the, the forest which is literally just the forest you find a, a spot down by the lake you know so there's some really nice locations you know you pay like a tenner or 15 quid yeah and they generally do you think generally a little bit cheaper than proper campsites or similarly priced or i suppose or I, I would assume so you think they'd be I, cheaper but i remember camping when it was like 10 quid yeah and yeah i haven't been camping on a campsite for a long time so i, I don't know how yeah, much I'm it, sure. it i think some of the ones it. down here are extortionate but anyway, yeah, I guess it, the the main thing, regardless of cost, is it's at least going to give you a more authentic experience. Yeah. Without the worry of, yeah, like you said, getting stopped or 
or, or having an argument with yeah. someone. And you've got a space that you, it's in, when you're riding in your head, you know you've got a destination where you, you know you've got a pitch. That's a good chat actually, because yeah, it can be frustrating, especially if you've had a long day out and you're looking for somewhere to, to camp and you think, actually, this doesn't work. Yeah, this, this is boggy, mm. this is too exposed, the ground isn't right here. And the last thing you want when you're knackered at the end of the day is to not be able to find a sensible place to camp. So yeah, that's that's a pretty good shout. I suppose yeah. the downside is that you do have to get to that point because the the, the beauty of wild camping, I suppose, the, the flip side of what I was just saying is that you have complete flexibility. When you stop. When you're tired, yeah. you just stop. So six of one, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so kind of we've we've got a few options for where we can camp. Kit-wise, what are your thoughts? So you've got to strap it to the bike. That is the point of mo- that is the joy and the point of motor camping. Otherwise, you go in a car or you stay at Airbnb. The whole experience, well, one of the big experiences is the fact that you're lashing everything to this. And you're kind of completely self-sufficient. Your, yeah. So you want to be packing light. Yeah. But that's not to say you have to go out. This, again, harkens back to what we were saying the other week about starting adventure riding. You don't have to go out and spend a grand on yeah they're like the them. lightest yeah smallest kit you can you know if you've got a two to four man tent you probably be able to strap that down with some bungee cords no problem whatsoever yeah, especially if you're not taking bike. a if you're not taking a pillion especially mm. and you've got panniers you've got a whole rear seat to just strap yeah crap to if you've got panniers you can just you can stretch a huge tent over the, over the back of them span, yeah that's true you know and always remember as well i mean all these bikes are designed to take luggage and a pillion. Mm. You're not going to be adding a pillion's worth of weight. And even if you are adding weight, it's not going to be as high up as a pillion. So you're not going to really negatively affect the, the handling of your bike, certainly on the road. Off-road, it might make a bit of a difference. And I think yeah, if, if I was doing a lot... Yeah, I think then there's a definitely a more of a kind of argument for, for buying higher quality, lighter weight kit. But for people, that, if you're just looking to go out on a road adventure um, and camp, then... I don't really think it's it's that important. I mean, the bike is going to weigh probably minimum 200 kilos. Who cares if your tent weighs 400 grams more than the... <laughs> yeah. So I so I think down the line, size is much more important than, than weight Yeah. for a tent. When you're shopping, when you decide you want to do this... Pack, or pack you, size, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like my Van Gogh is, is the same size as my sleeping bag, which is fantastic. But yeah, so speaking of tents, so if we go through what I think... Well, what we think you need as a minimum. So obviously tent. Well, I think tent-wise, so the, the most important thing with the, with the tent, we're not going to go into like mad depth looking at single skin versus dual skin, mm-hmm. advantages of dome tents versus uh, other shapes of tents and tunnel tents and things. Yeah, because there are people... There's that... so much stuff online about that. But more, one thing I would consider is like where you're camping. That, to me, has a big impact on the type of tent I would take. If I'm going to set up camp as a base from a campsite, I would want something a lot bigger a lot more luxurious than if I'm wild camping. Yes. So there's loads of manufacturers that make motorcycle-specific tents, for instance, that even have garages and things built into them. So you can get one or two adventure bikes parked in the tent with you, or you can have it as like a little workshop or a, a lounge area, which if you're going to camp for a week in one campsite and base yourself mm. out of that, fantastic. If you're going to wild camp, well, for a start, like we said, you want to try and be a little bit kind of covert, a little bit subtle, putting up some huge six-man monstrosity yeah. <laughs> on the edge of Dartmoor. Even if technically legal, it just looks a bit naff, doesn't it? You want to kind of be a little bit more, um, yeah, just a little bit more covert, in which case I would try and buy something smaller. So I think about how and where you're going to camp. That would influence my decision on what sort of tent I bought, I think. But other than that, I think if you're out on a motorcycle, especially, and we're talking again, we're talking about like UK adventuring here. 
um, or maybe over to Europe. We're, but what we're not talking about is going out into like the extreme wilderness. You don't need like a top end mountaineering tent, do you? No, not at all. You need something that will fit you comfortably and something that will fit your, and kit. your kit. Yeah, and your kit, and I, ideally a separate space to put your kit. Yeah, and especially in the UK, you want your tent to be properly waterproof because our weather is fairly inclement here. Um, so try and buy something with a reasonable hydrostatic head on it, um, something that's going to keep you keep you dry, not the £45 euro hike tent that you've got, ideally. <laughs> it, it might work for a couple of trips, but it, it will get um, kind of waterlogged and eventually that it will fail and you'll at some point have a pretty miserable night's sleep. Mm, yeah, because this is meant to be affordable and accessible, um, but there's a lot to be said for buying once and buying right. Yeah, and cheap does cheap and value aren't the same thing. No, and just gunning out and and getting what you think is the best kit straight away, in my experience, especially with with all of this, doesn't work. I like to I go out with what I've got. So in this case, a forty five pound euro hike tent. Realize what I don't like about it, and then work out what I want, and yeah. then and then find something that I'll invest a bit more in, but I know will do me really well for the Next for the time to come. I mean, what do you reckon? A couple hundred quid for a decent tent is a fair shout. Yeah, I mean that that Van Gogh that I've got, I got for it was one of their Wow deals, hundred ninety nine pounds. Yeah, yeah, which is a great deal. It's usually like one hundred and fifty. Yeah, um, but yeah, anywhere between one and two hundred is is a, I think a really good sweet spot if it's for a tent just for yourself. Yeah, you know, mm. um, Lone Rider gear they do because they do the ones where you can actually put the bike in. Yeah, um, but they also do just ones for yourself. They're like three four hundred euros they're quite expensive they're at the top end a bit more of an investment piece yeah than... i was gonna go for, i was i was gonna go for one um because they also do an affiliate scheme as well but i thought the va- i think the van gogh it's a great jumping off yeah no 100 quid you know even if you use that for a year or so it's not mm-hmm. it's not it's not a huge investment so yeah but i'd, I'd say minimum two man absolute minimum don't buy one don't buy a one-man tent for motorcycle camping it'll be miserable yeah if it's piddling down the rain and you've got to you've got to get try and take your kit off in the tent it's not gonna be it's, much not, fun. it's not gonna work in a one-man tent the only other thing i'd recommend again dan you know when you're looking at getting at something new would be like we said before size you know size and weight but favoring size over weight yeah um because you're lack of size yeah yeah but even even things like it's just little things you don't think of like the ease of how how easy it is to put up like yeah the, like i put the van go up and it's literally it's less than 10 minutes yeah um it's two poles and yeah, then two you, pole design tents are great yeah you peg in one end and then you just pull the whole pull thing it, and peg the and other end up yeah. and you put the other pegs in but it's just it's so if it's pissing down rain you want or, that thing up or even if quick yeah or even if you've just had an exhausting day yeah or if you're doing like what louise and michael are doing you want to get off early you know you don't want to be flapping around with yeah. something complicated definitely and then sleeping wise um so this was a mistake you made and I didn't when we did the Tafe Dakar. <laughs> uh, this is where most of my camping yeah. <laughs> knowledge and experience has come from. Was that that evening when I turned up and yeah, I had a nice inflatable sleeping mat and a, a decent down sleeping bag and you were like, oh, what's all that stuff? Blah, blah. And I don't think you really got any sleep that night, did you? No, not the first night. I was so, so cold. I was in Emily's Eurohike two you seasons. love Eurohike. <laughs> <laughs> two two seasons sleeping bag. And I think I did have an inflatable yeah, you might um, mat, but even so, it was it was so cold, horrible. I was it? in trousers, like all the and socks I bought. What time with of me. year was that? Was that that eight? was the first of May, wasn't it? May. So I mean, was this is bear in mind: you two season sleeping bag. We're in May, right in spring. 
But we woke up and there was snow on the mountaintops. Yeah, I mean, morning. we were fairly high. Miles. We were in the Brecon Beacons, weren't we? But it went to show, didn't it, how quite how cold you how cold you can get. And you ended up, it was, you know, having to come buy a duvet from Tesco's, which was... Yeah, I bought a double duvet from pr- Tesco's. Pretty embarrassing. And yeah, but I was warm as <laughs> You were warm, then. yeah. You couldn't really <laughs> carry it on the bike, though. Um, no. So, no, I mean, I think... One thing, come on to sleeping bags in a minute, but sleeping mats are one of the most mm-hmm. un- under-estimated kind of uh, pieces of equipment in terms of keeping you warm when you're camping. Because what people do, I think a lot of people don't realise is so much of the coldness comes from the ground. And when you get in your sleeping bag, it doesn't matter. You can have a £1,000 down sleeping bag. Ultimately, when you lie on it, all the filling underneath you gets crushed. And the only reason the sleeping bag is warm is because it traps air in that filling. You heat that up and then that keeps you warm. So when you're lying on the sleeping bag, you crush all of that. And if you've got nothing underneath you, you're just lying on either a piece of foam sort of carry mat or the floor, Yeah, you are going to freeze no matter how good your sleeping bag is. So a, a half decent sleeping mat, and again, this doesn't mean spending a fortune. I mean, I'd say from sort of probably 20, 30 quid, you can get a half yeah. decent inflatable. Just one of those self-inflating ones. Yeah, a half decent one. If you're willing to spend 50 quid or a little bit more, you can get something really quite good. And they go up to crazy money, but then again, you're paying for lightweight and packability which i don't think you need so much mm. so get get a half decent inflatable sleeping mat and then sleeping bag wise i mean again it's crikey the the range of pricing is unbelievable you can probably yeah. buy a sleeping bag for a fiver yeah. you can buy a sleeping bag for a, for over a thousand pounds if you want yeah so i did sleeping bag shopping a couple of weeks ago for this trip because i i didn't have one yeah and i ended up going for a a van Gogh yeah three season yeah uh which was 60 quid yeah uh, so again, no it's 50 quid 50 not earth shattering amounts of money or anything no but that sleeping bag was great but i had a conundrum because i was in i was in go outdoors and they had loads of sleeping bags and i was tossing up between uh this van gogh three season mm. which looked great but it was quite quite big and then a van gogh two season which was tiny it was literally about the size of a sleeping mat you know the, yeah, the little yeah sleeping yeah. up mat and I was umming and ahhing because the, the, the two season was 20 quid more. So it was oh, 70 it was so quid. Much lighter. 70 quid for this tiny, yeah. tiny thing, but two season or 20 quid less for a three season, but, but bigger. I ended up going for three season. But again, it's one of those debates you've got to kind of. Yeah. And just look at, look at the, you know, obviously it depends on where, where you're going, what, what time of year. I mean, in an ideal world, you have several sleeping bags and blah, blah, mm. blah. Um, to suit different seasons look at look at the what they rate as the comfort rating um bear in mind they're normally pretty optimistic the comfort ratings on sleeping bags are normally tested with pretty hardy people yeah yeah um so just bear that in mind i think they often use like military people to kind of oh, really? test it. yeah so it's people that are kind of like used to it and they go oh yeah that felt okay you know yeah okay you're not going to die but for the average person mm. they're not going to be so they take the comfort rating with a piece a pinch of salt but think about where you're using it what time of year um what temperatures you're going to be in there's no need to go out and buy some like crazy um expedition down bag that's rated to minus 20 if you're camping in the uk yeah. it's a waste of money and and the bag will be too big physically mm. you know because if it's if it's that warm um it's going to be fairly large something my brother mentioned is and he showed me one to go outdoors you know how you can get the silk linings for your for bike gloves yeah yeah you can actually get silk yeah, linings really for big difference sleeping bags and he says it, it effectively adds a season yep um, and they're tiny and they're tiny absolutely yeah. tiny like so, almost the size of a tennis ball right mm, so if, if size is a huge factor then space is a huge factor in whatever trip you're doing and by if a you're really light you know if you're on a small bike and you're doing the tail or something then a small two season and a liner could be a great but they're, they're not cheap they're like 50 quid or something you can buy cotton liners though 
right. that will do almost, I think they're cotton or nylon maybe. I, either way, anyway, you can buy non-silk ones mm-hmm. that are a lot cheaper, do the same job, but are a lot bulkier. Right. So that's the other option is just buy a non-silk liner. Mm-hmm. But you, Yeah, you're right. The silk ones are great because they're absolutely tiny. Um, and then I guess other than that, really the only kind of essential things you need are something to cook on, something to see with because it's going to be dark. And I think even if you think, okay, well... We're going to go out for dinner and we're going to go out for breakfast. So, or I, I don't want yeah. to cook. I still think having something is essential because you're going to want to, you're going to want to have a hot drink. Well, like, to me, it's part, I mean, to go camping and not make a cup of coffee or yeah, cup yeah, of tea, yeah. it's part of the experience. I mean, you've got to, you've got to cook something. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you don't need to go out and spend, you know, hundreds of pounds on like a really posh multi-fuel stove that can run on diesel and stuff like that. Which, if you're going around the world, again, you would. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd have you'd have absolute top-end stuff that runs on anything. A relatively cheap, just gas folding stove. Yeah, so there's loads to look at. I mean, you can have, like you were saying just then, you can have one that runs off fuel. So you can actually siphon it off your bike. Yeah, uh, which I think when you're doing, again, if you're if we're UK adventuring. It's not. It's, it's a lot easier to have a little gas canister gas that you canister. screw all, on. All you're doing is saving a little tiny bit of space. Yeah, yeah. I can totally see it if you're on a much more you know outback type expedition. Yeah, because you know you're always going to have fuel, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you can just get you literally can get the little burners that that literally clip onto the top of the gas yeah. canisters. And they're, they're fairly inexpensive. I think yeah, you know, sort of less than fifty quid for one from go outdoors. A little, yeah. little stove. The system I really like I've got is the Jetboil ones. They're a little bit pricier, but about 100, 100 quid or something. Yeah, I mean, you can get the mini system. I've got the Flash system, which is their kind of um, best-selling one, the all-rounder, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of, terms of capacity. But they, they're, it's an all-in-one system, so it contains the, the pot to heat your water in. The stove all fits into it. Your gas canister all fits into it. It's really neat. Yeah, it's a little bit more expensive. It's about 100 quid, like you said. But they work really well. And if you read reviews, they're just, yeah, there's absolutely, people rave about them. And the, US, the USP for this is, is the is the boiling so if you're making anything that involves boiling yeah it's amazing yeah um so if you're doing like the ration packs or if you're cooking a drink because you can use the, the the pot as like a you can drink out the pot yeah as yeah. like a cup as well my brother's just bought basically the equivalent from, but from coleman yeah yeah um he hasn't tried it yet but i'm going to give that a go because that's like well it was at go outdoors for 60 quid but and planet x who are a cycling shop do one which looks identical as far as I can. I've never tried it, so don't quote me on it. But it's about thirty quid. Yeah. Um. So yeah, check out Planet X and have a look at that one. But but it's, it's all down to what you what you want. Jet boil's amazing if you, especially if you want to stop halfway through a day. Yeah. And just cook a hot drink because that's that that is the whole thing. If you're cooking just dinner on a pan, I'm assuming they do pan attachments. And yeah. Stuff for but them. I'm assuming they're not. It's not really what they were initially designed no. for. Like you said, it's they're designed to make hot water as quickly as possible, as easily as possible. So amazing if, especially if it's cold and yeah. you're stopping somewhere and you want to get a drink, and then you, it's just working out what what works for you. At the end of the day, all of them will do the job. It's just about how much fuel they take and how long it takes to for them to do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then it's just, yeah, I would say the only other thing really that we need to talk about is just being able to see. You can obviously get lanterns, handheld torches. Again, like just technology, has the price of it has been driven down so much over the last 10, 15 years. You can now get a really quite good torch for pretty little money. Yeah. So I would always advocate a, a head torch for, for camping and stuff. It's just leaves your hands free. It's way easier. 
to use and like I said the technology is so good now that relatively small head torches are super powerful and for camping especially they're going to give you all the light that you you need for for even like tinkering with your bike and stuff if if you need to do any maintenance yeah no I'd, I'd always recommend a head torch the only other light that I'd probably recommend would be someone from a lantern or just for like reading and stuff in the tent just something that you you can just put down or yeah, hanging from the yeah, top of the yeah. of the tent and you've just got even if it's a small amount of light it's just it's yeah. hands-free light and that coupled with the head torch i think is a perfect combination you know i think head torch is is top like you said especially if you need if it's dark and you need to go out and do something with the bike it's just find your way to the loos or the bushes yeah so yeah. i've always used i've used um lead lenser ones for the last few years um we i used to work in an outdoor shop in in wales and we started stocking them yeah it's pretty 12 years ago or something and we were really impressed with them at the time because their build quality seemed great they were super bright and they were less expensive than their nearest rival which most people would have heard of as petzl yeah everybody's heard of petzl they're you know the bit the big name in um well in head torches as well as climbing equipment and stuff and but i mean and again worth looking at petzl if you want some really nice mm-hmm. uh, really nice sort of head torches and things but yeah lead lenser can't really can't really uh, sing their praises enough yeah. Another one I've got. So what I bought uh, a couple of days ago that's just arrived from Amazon is uh, something that I recommended on one of my posts about adventure travel gadgets, which is this company called OutXE. Right. And they make, I think their their main USP is power packs, like rugged. Oh, yeah, that's a good chat, actually. Power packs. Yeah. Um, but they do a, tor- a lantern. So it's, it's a USB chargeable LED torch, mm. which also is a lantern. Right. So the handle is a lantern and is waterproof up to like six foot underwater and can charge your phone that's pretty cool yeah power pack's a good chat actually because a lot of us rely now on you know sat navs and, mm. and phones and um, uh, to be fair i suppose you can use your bike to charge a lot of stuff now but power pack's not a bad chat considering how small they are yeah um because I, I yeah i sorry i'm distracted because i can hear our, our wives chi- getting our, chi- our chinese takeaways just been delivered so if you can hear that i apologize but, so yeah keep, um, keep adventuring and we'll speak to you next <laughs> week <laughs> but um no what i was gonna say yeah power pack so this this art adventure gadgets article that i wrote the whole concept that i wanted to design this was around was if you couldn't plug in and yeah. recharge anything anywhere so it was a combination of a battery pack and the bike um so basically and this this perfectly applies if, you, if you're motor camping is you set up so that during the day the while you're riding the it. bike's charging yeah. the power pack and other things and then during the night the power pack keeps everything alive and alive and taking over and like even i've, I've put it in as an affiliate link in the in the desperate hope that someone will buy one but there's a my brother's got a dell xps 13 Oh, which yeah, is yeah. like it's like a thousand pounds but it's a really small laptop mm. and it charges off usb-c oh, so okay you don't need so a you can huge power a laptop so literally everything you take with you runs off usb power yeah so if you you know if you were editing or you needed to blog or whatever everything that you you have so your phone and your and your torches and yeah yeah no that makes computer. it that makes a lot of sense actually um yeah. and you can get a pretty easy setup going you know if you tank bag it's like when we did the taffy dakar i did it, i even did it with gopro batteries throughout the day yeah you we had were, them we tri- charging all day didn't you yeah, yeah we just kept it charging so um but yeah i think that's that's your basics cupboard other than that it's not hard get out and do it really yeah even if it's just one night i mean yeah. i 
I messaged James Archibald the other day because yeah. I, I put the picture up and he said, "Oh, I need to get out camping again." So well, why didn't we just go up one night? Just, just on Dartmoor. You don't have to. Yeah, even if it's an, an hour's ride in the evenings, camp and go to work the next morning. Mm. I mean, what great thing to do after work? Hun- oh, totally. Ride an hour 100%. and go back to work in the morning. It was like even seeing Michael and Louise last night. I had work the next morning. Well, we both had work yeah, the next yeah. morning. We were up till I didn't get home till quarter to twelve. But yeah. I thought that was great. Exactly. You know, it's on a school night. Definitely. I think we like so many of us waste it's this kind of the it's where the whole nine to five ADV thing comes in, right? Most of us waste five days of the week because we're like, oh no, I can't do anything because I've got work tomorrow. And you think, do you know what? I like my job, but I don't I shouldn't be sacrificing my free time in between days off just so that I'm awake for my job the next day. I'm not a surgeon or anything, by the way. <laughs> like maybe <laughs> if you've got a job that actually matters, then you probably should, but <laughs> Yeah. You work at a motorcycle dealership, it doesn't matter if I'm a bit tired. So, <laughs> yeah, go and do something uh, after work. And especially with these long evenings, you can have a fantastic yeah. evening trip up. Because I'll be, you so, know, the solstice has been and gone. The nights are getting. They're drawing short. in. They're drawing in. Just, you know, do it before you get to a point where you can't and you're, and you're regretting it. Absolutely, you know? definitely. Um, that's the reason this whole thing exists, because I spent too long thinking, oh, I'll do it next weekend. And, and never happened and it never happened yeah. just 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 do it just do it so if you if you do go out and do it between now and next week or whenever please let us know message us email us so you went away last week i did i went speaking of going on adventures yeah i mean i wasn't camping but we had a actually delightful airbnb but nice but no no but, but we went we went up you went mountain biking mountain biking up in scotland and Which the weather was scottish is cagey for this podcast you know it's on the edge but because yeah, there's not a lot of house it's still on. two wheels <laughs> still two wheels i mean filler get, i get up there and uh and go motorcycling i mean go cycling go walking whatever it's it's such a beautiful country it's not great for off-road um adventure riding as we've discussed in the past no. but for for road riding and just getting out and exploring it's absolutely fantastic and from a camping perspective it's brilliant because you've got that whole right to roam um, but it, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful country. I mean, we were sort of based mainly around Fort William, but we went over to Lagan, um, up onto the Nevis Range, and then we came back down through the Lake District. Stopped over, went out in Winlatter Forest. Oh wow! Um, yeah, real mixture of weather and scenery, and we went swimming in rivers, and yeah, loved it. Ideal. It's great. Excellent. You've had an email. I've had an email. Literally just now, James has had an email. No, what I haven't. The, what are the chances? This was on the tenth of July. And yet again, I haven't replied to this. Two weeks ago. I know, but it hadn't come in when we recorded the... Right, okay. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, Brian. So this is this is from Brian. I'm gonna, I'll email him. Hi, Brian. I apologise for my co-host's ineptitude. That's two out of two that I, I've waited too long to reply to. I promise I'll be better if you lot promise don't to make, email. Don't make promises <laughs> you can't keep. Anyway, so Brian emailed and said, good morning. Firstly, thank you for the podcast. Really enjoying it. Full of good tips. Thanks, Brian. Exactly. Uh, unfortunately, I got my bike before your podcast was aired, and so I have a T7. Well, that's what? nothing to be unfortunate about. Uh, that's great <laughs> news, Brian. Uh, listening to your podcast, I can see myself already making the same mistakes you have and and listen, thinking expletive. Um, I do need my bike to commute and tour, so hopefully my off-road skills will catch up with the abilities of the bike. I was thinking of a topic that I would find interesting, and that would be maintenance and any difference between road and off-road. Is there any difference? What should you concentrate on? And advice or problems you have found moving from a road bike to an off-road capable bike. 
keep up the good work and look forward to your next podcast cheers brian cool well congrats brian i mean that is that is a great first bike i'm sure we both agree and yeah i mean you could you can argue that you didn't need to spend quite that much on buy a brand new bike if you especially if you want to go off-roading but hey you've done it and there are ways around it and like james has said before buy the right protection for the bike buy the right tires um, get yourself booked onto the Yamaha Tenere experience, definitely. It's probably a couple hundred quid that you will definitely not re- uh, regret spending uh, because it's going to make you so much more familiar with your bike, so much more confident. So, uh, yeah, enjoy the bike. You've got you've got a great one. And everybody I know that um, has bought a Tenere so far and has ridden it off-road has been absolutely thrilled with it. Yeah. The only thing I'll say because you're commuting on it is just spend a couple hours, get your spokes nice and clean, and then just cover them in ACF 50. Yeah. You've got to worry about it. It's fine at the moment, but as soon as the weather starts to get bad, and especially when they Salt start gritting, the road. you don't want to have to be cleaning them every every mm. few days, and, and even worse, you don't want to have them rusting up. So get them cleaned, cover them in ACF fifty. They don't look as shiny, but it, who cares if it if it helps keep yeah. them from corroding? Because even the best spokes in the world will you know will corrode. So. In terms of maintenance, off road, on road, I mean it's broadly the same. I think the thing you've just got to remember with off road riding is it just accelerates where i think it could be a good episode just adventure bike maintenance definitely i find that every time i go out i will clean the bike and the chain will get done every time that's the yeah, big thing for me definitely is is the chain because keep on top it of just that. completely dries out all the lube well you're it. basically you're applying a grinding paste to your chain when you're riding off-road aren't you yeah it's just going to wear that wear the sprockets the more you clean it the more you look after the chain the longer it's going to last the less it's going to cost you in the long run yeah and slack keep an eye on that it will get loose quicker yeah but but also be really careful not to over tighten it especially off-road riding you've got to be really careful it's better to be a little bit loose than a little bit tight in all scenarios but it's absolutely (laughs) especially off-road i think it's just it's more like you said everything it's just the same but accelerated it's and just nut and bolt checks and stuff i think just it's making sure things much you know you if you read the manual it says like before you should go out every ride you every should ride check this and this and this yeah, and then it's every week you should check this, this and this and yeah. every six months you know i think you should actually pay a bit of a, t- a bit of attention normally to those, those are complete overkill aren't they yeah uh, it's like okay fine i'm not going to go and check all the bolts on my bike every time i ride it mm. obviously but even things like like your brake calipers yeah you get it uh, almost every time i go out you'll get the brake calipers and you can hear it when you're wheeling the bike into the garage. You can hear the like, dirt that's noise. in the, the car. Yeah, get some disc brake cleaner and yeah, stuff. Yeah, which makes a huge difference. Yeah. But um, just things like that. Making sure that checking the pegs, especially the gear and the clutch pegs at the, yeah. end, at the end of the ride. Because you don't know if there's a crack in there. And then the first time the first time you go out and you lose your peg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a lot of fun. Yeah, I, you're, you're right. It's just normal stuff, but more often. Mm, but I, I think we could turn it into an episode definitely um, yeah, yeah. I because think. i think there's there's enough legs there just to go through yeah bit by um, bit what you should do because things like air filters and stuff yeah. that you can look at and yeah 100 percent. yeah um, let's save that for another day but i think that'll bring us to the end of this week brilliant thanks thanks a lot brian um yeah and in, enjoy the bike and apologies super apologies for, for not getting back. james is going to email you back i will i will as soon after we've had our chinese this evening i will email you back and anyone that emails in future, I will return an email within 24 hours. And that <laughs> is a 9 to 5 ADV <laughs> promise. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Hey, thank you all very much. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in yet again uh, and putting up with us. I hope that we're getting we're getting better. I'm feeling more relaxed, at least. Yeah, and hopefully more listenable. Um, it yeah. was quite fun last week. Um, these podcasts take so long for me to edit. And 
Yeah, moved, hopefully I'm not breathing this week. We moved to a different different studio, which is the um, what will be the baby room <laughs> in a few months' time. But at the moment, it's the 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 current studio. Yeah. And um, literally every time Ross breathed in, you could hear it. And um, I was excited. I thought it was I thought it was okay to begin with. So if you listen to like the first five minutes of last week's, it's in there. And then the bulk of it, I cut ev- pretty much every single one until you got bored. And I got so bored. That I just like the last ten minutes. I didn't edit a single thing. I was just like, screw it. But yeah. but um but yeah, we 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 put a lot of work in. I hope, uh, and all we hope is that you, you guys, um, finding it informative and hopefully vaguely entertaining. Mm. Yeah. So, fingers crossed, you'll be back for next week. What are we going to talk about? We haven't actually decided. Have we? It's a surprise. It's a surprise. It's a surprise episode next week. Yeah, I know. I want to talk about sort of like mods. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, whether we do that next week, just sort of like, you know, starting at the front and working away all the way through the, all the way through the, the back. Yeah. You know what we've done and what we would recommend you invest your money on. You know, recommend some products and bits and bobs. Um, whether that's next week or whether we try and do something a bit more topical while the sun is shining. Uh, who knows? But yeah. but tune in. We've got a newsletter which you can sign up on our website or in the episode description. Uh, you can follow along on what we're doing day to day on Instagram. I'm at nine to five ADV. I'm at un, uh, underscore. I'm at Devonshire underscore biker. Yeah. Uh, don't forget if you want to send a message in, if you've got a question or you want to just say s- hi, say hi, um, or send abuse to James. Send send abuse. Mm. I'll read them all out. Yeah, you can do nine to five ADV at gmail dot com. If you want to buy a bike, call Ross. Definitely, absolutely. Uh, Not KTM though. Yeah, not KTM. Not there's anything wrong with them. It's just you can't sell them. I didn't have them. (laughs) And we will, we will see you guys next week. Hopefully, with a bit of more of an update from Michael and Louise, and with another fun topic. Keep adventuring. See you later. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.